0: Welcome to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. This program was originally broadcast live on 93.9 KPDQ. We hope you enjoy the show. We are back 34 minutes after 4 o'clock. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show. Well, award winning Bible teacher, pastor, blogger, and radio host Michael Anthony offers Christians a playbook for speaking boldly and confidently in a world that tells them to remain silent and, quite frankly, hidden. So how do we stand strong? Well, many of us have become fearful, apathetic, and detached. And our great need is for a revolution of courage. Well, in his book... A Call for Courage. Uh, It's a handbook on how to live with courageous humility. We're going to talk about what that looks like. No matter who you are or what you're facing, A Call for Courage will help you live with power, truth, and love in an age of intolerance and fear. Well, Michael Anthony is a popular speaker and blogger of uh, CourageMatters.com. He's the founder and president of God Factor, founder of the National Week of Repentance, and lead pastor of Grace Fellowship in York, Pennsylvania. He and his work have been featured in major publications and news outlets such is the New York Times, the Los Angeles Times, CNN, ABC, CBS News, uh, Townhall.com, Beliefnet, and many, many others. He lives with his family in York, Pennsylvania, but he may be familiar to many of you because he uh, spent some time here in the Pacific Northwest. He worked and served alongside Dr. Joe Aldrich and Terry Dirks with International Renewal Ministries and had the privilege of serving alongside them for several years, ministering to pastors in prayer summits and conferences here. Uh, in our community. Thank you so much for joining us today,
1: you Thank you for having me on the program. It's great to hear your voice again. We don't get to hear you that often here on the East Coast, that's for sure.
0: <laughs> well, thank you. It's it's good to have you back as well. Even though you're not physically here, you're back home, as far as we're concerned. <laughs> this right, is right. This is such an important book because uh, this is a season in which courage is called for. But many of us who see it in others cannot imagine that we we are capable of it ourselves and have no idea where to begin to muster up um, what it, mm-hmm. this age calls for. You write about the fact that you spent some time away in, in writing this book. What what in you uh, felt the need to help your brothers and sisters in Christ um, to draw on what God has made available to us in this age?
1: Well, Georgine, I think that American Christianity has been hijacked. And it's been undone by an inside job. We unwittingly have divorced courage from humility. And when you think about Jesus, he was the perfect embodiment of both what I refer to in the book, A Call for Courage, as courageous humility Mm -hmm. or humble courage. And so I I don't know how the religion of love, the religion of humility, has somehow been rebranded as a religion of cowardice, fear, and hatred. And that's that's a very serious, concerning thing. So the book really came out of a lot of soul-searching on my own part, and a lot of analysis of what was happening in the nation. And I just felt compelled to share and to put out a call for action to try to turn things around.
0: Well, let's talk about what fear is and what it isn't. Many of us imagine courage is a loud, brash, sort of overwhelming, domineering, Um, uh, ability Mm -hmm. to to get one's way or at least to have one's message uh, heard. What is courage and what isn't the the kind of courage that you're writing about and the scriptures talk about?
1: Well, I I think it's important for people to understand that courage is not something that anybody's born with. No one is born with courage. Courage is something that anybody can develop. So people people who are listening, Georgie, need to be encouraged by that truth and that's true in my own life anybody uh, courage is not something that you're born with it's something you develop secondly courage is not the absence of fear it's the determination to face your fears and to do what is right in the face of perhaps overwhelming or, or uh, intimidating odds and that's one of the great needs that in our nation we have a crisis of humility and a crisis of courage and biblically speaking whenever you see courage that's consistent in the Bible, you also see humility when God is using somebody. Mm -hmm. And whenever you see humility that's consistent in the Bible, you also see courage. Those two might seem to be like a paradox at first, you know, antithetical, opposite, courage versus humility. But biblically, you always see when God is using somebody, you see humility and courage traveling together. So those things can be developed if somebody is, is really interested in developing their courage.
0: Well, and I think it's important also to put the notion of courage in the context of one's Christian faith. The goal isn't uh, for me to win and for someone else to lose. It really has to do with a biblical approach um, to Mm -hmm. confronting or approaching a, a conflict. You write that we need a second reformation, a new great awakening where the application of biblical truth in light of local, national and world events transforms every aspect of our lives. To what degree do we yes. owe our absence of courage to our lack of knowledge of God's word, our unwillingness to spend time uh, studying and applying God's word?
1: Well, that's a great question, and I want to answer it as a pastor and uh, somebody who spent a lot of time in ministry overseas in twenty-some countries. I think that we today in the United States we confuse Bible knowledge for Bible application, and we confuse church growth. With discipleship. Hmm. Unfortunately, much of what we do in ministry is is done according to speed, size, and numbers. And we even have magazines that publish the fastest growing this, the largest that. And we are seduced by our own attraction, our own sinful nature, which is irony of ironies. We're seduced by the very things and, and impressed by the very things that don't impress Jesus. Man looks at the outward appearance, God looks at the heart. So I think it's really important to go back to an understanding when you read the New Testament epistles, when you read the New Testament, the overwhelming majority of them, Georgine, are written to address specific theological, social, political issues that the recipients were facing. The book of Philippians is different than Galatians, is different than Ephesians, is different than 1st and 2nd Timothy. Each one has a specific audience with a set of needs. But today, much of the preaching that we're seeing, and even the books that are being written that are popular, they, they preach the gospel in a vacuum, devoid of what actually is happening around us before our very eyes. And so the Bible has become, in many places, in many cases, a book of, about success, personal success for yourself, apart from the agenda of God that's laid out in the Scriptures. So when I say we need a second Reformation, it's a, it's going back to rediscovering that the purpose of all Bible study and Bible knowledge and all preaching and teaching is not to simply inform, it's to transform. If we're not applying the Bible, if the Bible's not reading us while we're reading the Bible, then we're not really reading the Bible.
0: Yeah, yeah. You also make the point that the price of real revival, which is something many of us are praying for— is paid through mm-hmm. real repentance. It begins with us. We want to see a change in the world, but sometimes mm-hmm. we're looking outward and God is looking at our hearts mm-hmm. and saying it needs to begin with repentance.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Second Chronicles seven I'm sure many people listening are, have that, that verse committed to memory. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, seek my face, pray, turn from their wicked ways, then I'll hear from heaven, forgive their sin, heal their land. And many times we quote that verse And we launch right into the need for intercession, for what's happening in the nation. And intercession is a great thing. There are plenty of Bible passages on intercession. But 2 Chronicles 7.14 is not a call for intercession. It's a call for repentance, and the epicenter is God's people, not the world. Now, granted, the U.S. is not a theocracy, you know, the rule and reign of God Mm -hmm. through people, there's not a one-to-one correlation between 2 Chronicles 7.14 and any other group apart from the Jewish people, but there is a biblical principle there where humility and brokenness and confession of sin and repentance are attractive to God. That's one of the main teachings of the Bible. So if we want repentance, you know, the price of the price of real revival is paid through repentance. It begins with a self-examination and honest to God look at ourselves where we say, God, change me. And then in that overflow, change the world. So it's a fundamental change, Georgine, that needs to happen within the body of Christ. I think too often we, we take a step back and we, 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 we're looking at the, the national situation as if we're not part of it, but we are part of it. And whenever God wants to bring about real change, he begins in God's house, whether or not it happens in the White House. Real yeah. change begins with God's house among God's people.
0: We're talking about the book, A Call for Courage, Living with Power, Truth and Love in an Age of Intolerance and Fear. My guest is Michael Anthony. He's the host of the God Factor Radio broadcast. Now, the book is designed to uh, to not just be uh, educational, but to be practical. And at the end of the chapters, you mm-hmm. offer a section that's titled In a Nutshell, where you uh, encourage your, your reader to go deeper and perhaps to apply what they have read Uh, Explain to our listeners how this is structured and how you see the book best benefiting those who are looking for the kind of um,
1: uh,
0: courageous humility that you write about.
1: Mm -hmm. Well, I think uh, courage is the need of the day. People know that something needs to change beginning in themselves. They don't know where to begin. I did not want to write a book. I wrote the first draft hold up in a Pennsylvania cabin, and uh, my keyboard was basically smoking as I was (laughs) writing it out. But I was compelled not to simply write a book of information. I, I did not simply want to communicate to the, list, to the reader uh, or to the listener because it's also an audio book. Um, Thomas Nelson gave me the privilege of going down to Nashville and reading for it so those who like to listen can listen to it as well. I didn't want to simply provide information in light of our information overdose that we have today. I wanted to write a book that would help a, a housewife Help a homeschooler, a public schooler, a businessman, a CEO, a young person, an old person, black, yellow, white, red, rich, poor. I wanted to. I approached it as if I was sitting down in a coffee shop, and we've got some great coffee shops in the Northwest. We miss them out here <laughs> in the Northeast. As if we were sitting down, having a, a, a great time together, conversing with the purpose of, I want God to change me. I want God to use me. I want to get really serious about this Jesus thing that we tend to have forgotten. So that was the whole bent when I wrote the book. I kept asking, I had written out a piece of paper, is that so? So what? What's this going to mean for the average person? How can I breathe hope and encouragement to them so that they walk away and they say, I I now know what to do? not just how to think.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, you certainly succeeded at that goal. We're going to take a quick break, but we'll continue our conversation again. We're talking about the book, A Call for Courage, Living with Power, Truth, and Love in an Age of Intolerance and Fear. Michael Anthony is my guest, and we'll both be back in just a moment. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show Podcast. Is aired on 93.9
1: KPDQ.
0: Hey, we are back. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show. We're continuing our conversation with Michael Anthony, host of the God Factor radio broadcast. He's also a popular speaker and blogger at Couragematters.com, founder and president of God Factor, founder of the National Week of Repentance, and lead pastor of Grace Fellowship in York, Pennsylvania. His latest book is simply titled A Call for Courage Living with Power, Truth, and Love in an Age of Intolerance and Fear. It's been interesting to watch the shifts in our culture just in recent uh, months. Uh, and I think a lot of believers are concerned about where do I fit into this and where do I, uh, how do I find the courage to uh, confront the culture in a way that's honoring to Christ. One of the things that you write about is the secret weapon that God has given each of us. Uh, for courage. We imagine that some people have it, others of us don't, and yet there is something, some resource available to us that's God-given that we can uh, call upon when the need arises.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Tell us about that.
1: Courage is, no, it, yeah, you know, it's not something that we're born with. Nobody knows how to walk when they're first born or even when they're, when they're young. You need somebody who comes alongside of you and believes in you and coaches you and, and walks you along the path that you need to go on. Most of the lessons I've learned in life I've learned from failure. And so a call for courage is also, you know, if people like stories, if, if they like brutal honesty, I'm very honest with some of the struggles that I've gone through in life to try to breathe hope in other people, Georgine. So that's what I wanted the book to be. I wanted to be. I wanted it to be a journey where the reader comes along with me or the listener comes along with me. We travel together and we encourage each other take my hand, I'll take your hand, let's walk together and come out better for it As at, at the end of the tunnel. So that's that's the, the, the purity of how I approach the book, and I hope that it achieved that end so that people are encouraged to cultivate their courage. That's the purpose of it.
0: One of the things that began many, many years ago, it was uh, deliberate, it was designed, and that was to label uh, those who are motivated by love, who have experienced the love of Christ— and that uh, is at least supposed to be the defining um, a central theme of their life to be labeled uh, haters or racist or bigoted okay. for disagreement. Um, one of the things that, uh, where courage is needed is in this area where we are labeled in a way that, is, uh, that doesn't really reflect where we are, but we don't quite know how to speak to that kind of situation. You write mm-hmm. about it. Um, what advice can you give uh, those mm-hmm. of us who want to honor Christ and uh, have the kind of courage that's needed.
1: I think one of the things that needs to happen in each of our lives uh, and on a national basis is we need to do more soul searching about what we stand for, not just what we're against. Oftentimes, I think this has happened more recently in more recent times in our nation, Christians, especially conservative evangelicals, of which I am a conservative evangelical, we're known for what we're against, but not what we're for. And so we have been responsible for some of our own rebranding. I think it's time for people to really sit down and examine, what do I stand for as a follower of Jesus? What did Jesus want his disciples to be known for? And with that, I want to say this, because I know you're in the Northwest, and we, I spent a good, you know, over a decade mm-hmm. there. Love does not mean accepting everybody wherever they are. You can disagree with somebody passionately, and yet still love them. And isn't that what Jesus did on the cross? Isn't that what Jesus did? He he simultaneously spoke out against sin his whole life and on the cross. And while he simultaneously loved people. To love somebody doesn't mean it's okay, you can do whatever you want, you can think whatever you want. To love somebody means to tell them the truth. Oftentimes the most loving thing you can do for somebody is tell them the truth when you know what it is. And really the most hateful thing you can do for somebody, Georgie, and it's really important for listeners to grasp, the most hateful thing you can do to somebody, that what makes you a real hater, is when you know what the truth is and you won't speak it. You won't tell people who need to know what it is. So part of the rebranding that we're responsible for, mm-hmm. another part of it is because people don't understand that the most loving thing you can do is tell somebody the truth when you know what it is.
0: And it seems to me that only those who are guided by the Holy Spirit can walk that very uh, sharp knife's edge to, to hit the right mm-hmm. balance that is honoring. To We're going to face opposition, even when we do things the right way. And I'm not suggesting we mm-hmm. uh, we always do, but that that's going to be a part of what uh, we can expect. But making sure that in the mm-hmm. process of doing what God has called us to do, to do it in a way that honors him, that's when you know, okay, I've uh, I'm doing the right thing. And that's
1: a challenge. Mm-hmm. Well, be- beautifully stated. I think you hit the nail right on the head. The whole issue is that today, more than ever, if you're not walking with Jesus, if you're not really abiding in him, you're not going to produce fruit that, that is honoring to him because reverse intolerance is now what we're seeing in our nation. People talk about tolerance all day long, tolerance, tolerance, tolerance. Unless you're a person who believes in the biblical Jesus, believes that the Bible is the inspired word of God, and you believe and you embrace historic Judeo-Christian values, then we don't want to hear from you. So tolerance is really politically correct talk these days for intolerance directed toward people of faith. And so if you're not walking with the Lord today, if you're not in love with Jesus, loving him with all your heart, mind, strength, and soul, you are going to not only be tempted to give in to tolerance, which is really backing off of truth, You're not only going to be tempted, you're going to get into it, and you're going to confuse complacency and apathy, and everybody does what's right in their own eyes as being loving when it's not, because biblically, it's not just love, and it's not just truth. We're supposed to do what Ephesians 4 says. We are to speak the truth in love. Both ingredients are necessary in the divine equation. And that's what we need to see in our country right now, in our churches, in our houses, in our personal lives when it comes to following Jesus. Truth plus love equals courage. God calls us to both.
0: One of the things that we, are, um, we wrestle with as believers is whether or not we ought to speak up. And I think we need to be guided by the Spirit, because speaking up is not always the right thing to do at every moment. Mm-hmm. But there are times in yes. which we are charged with just that. You have a chapter titled, Did Jesus Judge? And we're often labeled mm-hmm. with the, the notion that we are not to judge. Um, talk about right. the, the, our uh, biblical understanding of what it means to judge rightly when it's appropriate to do
1: so. Right. Excellent question. We hear that all the time. Jesus didn't judge. And then what do you say to that? It makes us get tongue tied. You know, it's like, but actually it's, it's a statement that's repeated and it's not doesn't have any truth to it whatsoever. The whole Bible is a book of judgment from Genesis to Revelation. Going back to Cain in the garden, God actually says to him, if you do what's right, won't you be accepted? The implication is yes. The whole Great Commission, going to all the world, preach the gospel in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, baptizing people in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I commanded you. Well, if you don't, if you're not able to know right from wrong, and obedience from disobedience, it, that's all judgment. The difference is being judgmental. We're, we're called not to be judgmental toward each other, but we are called to judge, beginning with ourselves. So. The whole Bible is a book on changing of our motives. We're going to be judged at the judgment seat of Christ, believers. There's a great white throne judgment spoken of at the end of the book of Revelation. Jesus judged his whole life. The cross is a judgment against what? Against sin. We just need to be careful that we're not judgmental. The difference is Mm -hmm. being judgmental is when we look down our noses at people and we think we're better than them. The Pharisees were judgmental. But Jesus definitely judged. Paul the Apostle, if you read the book of Galatians, he judged the Apostle Peter when he was clearly in the wrong. So Jesus did judge. Judgment has to deal with discerning correct and incorrect thoughts, attitudes, and behaviors. And you can't follow Jesus if you're not willing to judge beginning with yourself.
0: Yeah, and that's an important point. Yeah, that that notion of humility and repentance. Now our time is just about up, but I want to invite you once again to talk about Um, The the notion of uh, courageous humility. These are not two things we Mm -hmm. typically put together, but that's what we're
1: called to. Yes. Courageous humility is what Jesus embodied. You know, he overturned the tables of the money changers. He called the teachers of the law, whitewashed tombs, full of dead men's bones, very strong language. And it's the same Jesus who stooped down and talked to the woman caught in adultery and said, go and sin no more. And by the way, when he said go and sin no more, he was judging. He was telling her, no, your behavior is not okay. You can't continue to do what you've been doing now that you've encountered me. So humble courage is the fruit of the Holy Spirit. When we really are walking with Jesus, when we're really surrendered to him, that's when when courage rises up within us, right? The apostles, when they saw that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they realized that they had been with Jesus when they had seen their courage. We always become like who we spend time with. When we, when we spend time with Jesus by being in his word with a bent toward putting the Bible into action, there's the key, we, we cannot but become more humble and more courageous. They always travel together for the person who's really walking with God. We always become like Jesus when we really walk with him. And Jesus was and is the most humble, courageous being, being God himself, that the world has ever seen and will ever see.
0: Well, the book, once again, is called A Call for Courage, Living with Power, Truth and Love in an Age of Intolerance and Fear. Uh, it's uh, published by Nelson Books, which is an imprint of uh, uh, Thomas Nelson. And I would encourage anyone um, who is interested in reflecting the the character of Christ in a very challenging time to walk that fine line of courageous humility. This is a great book to uh, to help us do that. Uh, to the glory of God. Thank you so much for talking with us today. It's, it's nice to have you back, even if it's only by, by phone.
1: <laughs> well, Georgie, and thanks for the privilege. It's really wonderful. You're doing a great work, and uh, miss your program being out here in the Northeast.
0: Hey, thank you so much. God bless. Bye-bye. Again, uh, Michael Anthony, a call for courage.